Welcome to the School of Risk podcast, where successful risk takers are made and celebrated. I am your host, Isabel Egudo, and here at the School of Risk podcast, our mission is to help you become successful risk takers. Today with me on the show is Paul Ashby. Paul is a former police officer here in the UK who took a risk to start his own business. He has since become the co-founder of Bogota Coffee and also is the CEO of Blue Collar Business Council, a consultancy specializing in supporting businesses in the hospitality sector. To enjoy our daily shows, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the School of Risk Podcast. Also, please subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast channels such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know all the favorite ones out there, Spotify, YouTube, or any of the apps you listen to your podcast on so you don't miss out. We promise to be there. As you probably know, the hospitality sector was hit hard during the COVID pandemic. In this episode, Paul and I talk about how he and his business partner build a resilient business in hospitality that survived the financial crisis of the pandemic that many businesses didn't. If you are thinking about starting a business in hospitality, there is so much to learn in this episode as Paul shares valuable life and business lessons with you. Risk takers, it's time to go to school. Yes, the School of Risk podcast. Welcome. Paul Ashby, it's great to have you on the School of Risk podcast. Thank you for taking the time to do this episode with me. Please, I would like you to start by introducing yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, and let our listeners get to know you. Well, hello, cheers. Thank you for having me. So uh, I'm uh, based in Milton Keynes and I own a coffee shop there called Bogota Coffee Company with two partners who are two friends of mine. And um, we've been there for eight years. And during that time, we've started some other ventures as well. Um, One was fourth and fifth, which was a much bigger venue than the one we've got in the moment. It's like three times as big. And it does more food rather than just the coffee. We had that for three years from uh, September 2017 to September 2020. Um, and then I've done uh, in the last year uh, my own consultancy business called Blue Collar Business Council. And that came about just because um, when the lockdown started, there were still a few businesses around me that were still trading like um, a gym, local gym and a local bakery. And every time I went to them, they were asking just little bits of advice, you know, especially around things like the grants. People were allowed to get the grants, the government grants, but they didn't know really how to get them and what they were entitled to. And it's obviously a lot of money that they're, they're passing up by not knowing what they're doing. So I started off giving a little bit of advice here and there. And then more people came to me and I suddenly realized that I should really be charging for this, especially as I'm <laughs> sat at home doing nothing, you know, I might as yeah. well uh, turn this into something. So that's what I did. Initially, it was, um, yeah, just whatever bits of advice people wanted. And it was aimed at people like myself, a small business owner, you know, maybe somewhere that's got like less than 10 employees, 
people like me, I'm quite a simple uh, down to earth person. You know, I'm just a guy off the street who one, one day decided to start a business. You know, I didn't have any business background. My partner didn't have any business background. We did a little bit of a uh, homework, you know, luckily. Yes. If it was going to work and, and luckily it did pan out and we know so much more now than we did back then. Amazing. Yeah. And a lot of the time you realize that people are just normal people. They have a dream or they have a job that they want to do and they start a business, but they don't know that they might be an expert in that, that area, say coffee, or they can make great coffee, but they don't know about running a business. You know, they don't know about VAT and cash flow and this and that, you know, so they're like, oh, great going along. You know, we've got the first month under our belt. Oh, we've made a loss. I thought we were doing really well, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's things like this. It's trying to teach people. Sometimes you have to teach them backwards if they've already started the business. Um, but a lot of the time people come to me where they're thinking about starting the business or they're on the verge of doing it. And it's just getting them set up so they can run it properly, you know? And yeah. uh, we tried to spend a lot of time at the beginning of the business, but we talk about growth and how they're going to grow year on year. And then what their ideas are eventually, you know, for the long term. So I think sort of short term is like the first six months to a year. Midterm is sort of three to five years. And then beyond that is long term. What do you want to do? do you want Absolutely. To, Absolutely. You know, do you want to be doing this? Like for me, working in the coffee shop, it was great when we started it and I was 33, which is fine, you know. But do I still be working behind the counter when I'm 55? You mm -hmm. know, it's not really something you want to be doing i'll be an old man with a doesn't demonstrate growth no yeah <laughs> so yeah i don't want to be doing like 60 hours behind the counter with some dodgy back you know yeah yeah exactly so what do you want it to lead to you know do you want to get to a certain age and think right i'll sell it now i'll pass it on to someone else i'll get another partner on board that can run it and i'll just take the dividends or whatever you know so it's it's about starting the business growing the business and then eventually exiting it exiting yeah. the you know? I, I, I want to come back. I want to come back to that. But before we do, I just want to take us a little bit back to the coffee side of things. You know, I'm a fan of you, you yeah, guys. Yeah. You know, um, Bogota <laughs> That's coffee. How we is met. My, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, Bogota coffee is my favorite coffee shop in Milton Keynes. It's the only place I love to go to because I love independent coffee. I support the independent brands compared to the chain. And I think, you know, uh, independent coffees make better coffees than chains, you know. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I've had that debate with a number of my friends who do the whole chain side of things, you know, the big names like Starbucks and Costa. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. that's rubbish coffee. Come on, go to the independents and get some good coffee. Yeah. What got you guys started in coffee? And how do you source your, your coffees? Because um, most people start the business, like you mentioned earlier on, how, and they struggle to find you know, to find out how to go about sourcing um, what they need to get that business to to grow to be successful. Whether it's finding the right people, knowing what your target audience is, and so on and so forth. So, just tell us a little bit of story about you know what got you into coffee, how you got into that whole um, you know market. So, I've been a coffee drinker for years and like a lot of people you know i start off on the the uh the bigger end of the coffee like the mocha you know it's very nice and sweet oh i like yeah. that and then you eventually you get down to like like you say you you sort of take more time in it and you start tasting the coffee properly so you get i like think that's how i started <laughs> that's it you start off with the the big one at the chain because yeah. i used to drink a mocha at starbucks you know mm -hmm. I used to love same it. same 
eventually you sort of get more refined, especially as you get older. Like I, I was living, I wasn't living, but I was visiting London a lot and I'd see a lot of these little independent coffee shops springing up and I just happened to go in one and I loved the vibe of the place, not just the coffee, but the vibe, you know, yeah. it's totally different. Yeah. And that's something we're very, uh, is at the forefront of our minds with everything, you know, like you say, it, you can have the greatest coffee, but if it doesn't meet with the level of service as well, then you're probably not going to do as well, you know, mm-hmm. for us, probably now the service is more important than the coffee, especially after the pandemic, you know, people like to come in like yourself, yes. see a friendly face, see somebody they know, they chat, they can spend a bit of time, you know, it's not like Starbucks where they just want to get you in and get it's you out. about the numbers. Exactly. They want the money and they just want to get you out. So that that's a big thing for us is the service. Um, but going back to how we started, um, so my business partners are called Carl and Andrea. They're a married yes. couple. They met in England, but then they moved to Colombia and they had a family there and they were living in Bogota. And Carl had um, a, a very small travel business. So business person wants to go to Colombia. Sounds very daunting. They still think it's very dangerous. So they'd hire somebody like Carl to take them around the places they need to be, keep them safe. On that part of the journey, when he used to take people around, there was a coffee roastery that he used to take them to. Uh, it was quite a big one in Colombia. And they'd see, if you go into the cafe there, you can see the roastery next door. So you can see everything going on. You know, the beans arriving, the beans being roasted. You get that great smell and everything. Yes. So Carl developed a relationship with these guys, these roasters. And then he decided, they decided that they want to move back to England because their kids were at school age and they wanted to go to an English school. So uh, he said, he knew, he knew I always wanted to start a business. I had a career, mm-hmm. diff, totally different career before that. Um, and he said, I've got what, what was that career, if you don't mind me asking? I was in the police for oh, really? a long time, 12 years. Yeah. Excuse me, I've known you for how long and I didn't even know that. <laughs> didn't know that? <laughs> yeah, that's a different life. That's a previous yes. life. More stories there, but um, interesting. So yeah, he contacted me. I was still working at the police then, mm-hmm. and he said, "I'm coming back over. I've got these connections. I can import the coffee. I think we'll do well at selling it." And yes. again, this this is where it's just totally pull the idea out of the air. No, no projections or anything done at all. So I said, "Sounds like a great idea. You know, we'll do it part time. I'll keep my job, and we'll do it at weekends." The only problem was, so we came back and we ordered. I can't remember how much we ordered now. It was either a thousand pound or three thousand pounds worth of coffee. Yes. In our heads, we were like, we'll sell that straight away, no problem. You know, we were keeping it in his garage uh, when he moved back over here. And we could not shift it, you know, because we hadn't we didn't have a plan at that point. We just thought bring it back here, we'll open up a little market at farmers markets and sell it. And we couldn't sell it. So that was a big... Why was that? What, what, was, what was the challenge of selling the coffee? Um, because, we, I mean, there are lots... I mean, the UK is a big coffee consumer. Yeah. Um, we just didn't have a plan. You know, right. we didn't have a plan of how we were going to market it and how we were going to explain to people how it was different from, you know, if you, the cost of down the road, you know. Mm-hmm. So we were selling wholesale, so like bags of coffee. And then eventually we got a little cart. So we were doing it on farmer's market. So we would make them the coffee. Yeah. Oh, this is nice. All right. Here's something to take home for you. And it was okay. You know, we were doing okay bits here and there, but it was generally just twice a month normally. Yes. We had a website and we thought we would get traffic to the website. But again, we were relying a lot on social media. We thought Mm -hmm, social mm -hmm, mm -hmm. media was quite new back then. This is like, yes. 
and we thought once you get a bit of traction on there you know you'll start selling stuff and we were total novices you know that was our first lesson we ended up throwing a lot of that coffee away because it was wow we just couldn't shift it you know yeah. and then we uh we didn't know milton Keynes very well but i knew the hub where the bogota is now and because there used to be a starbucks there and i used to go there yes uh when in the summer because i used to like sitting out the front and everything it's quite a nice atmosphere um and i found a unit there that's um a good size for us you know you don't want it too big you don't want it too small it was yes. just right yes. and it had never been fit out before so it was a blank canvas we could do what we wanted with it and because it had never been let before i think the the hub itself was about uh it was still fairly new at that time wasn't it it was seven years old at that point but yeah. this unit it was so it was so small compared to the others that the only thing that would make sense to put in there is either a coffee shop or something like a barber's you know mm -hmm. so the landlord never was never able to let it so we got a really good deal on it that's good um you know it's not like he just gave it to us but there was some negotiations to get it but um we got the unit and then we opened bogota um we did do a bit of homework beforehand to sort of see footfalls and you know if people were going to welcome this because the starbucks that was there closed down before we yeah. opened mm -hmm. so if you think that you know if you were to give write that on a bit of paper it looks terrible starbucks probably the biggest coffee company in the world has just closed and left there and you're deciding with no business experience to open this little shop <laughs> that was challenging what a terrible idea that was daring yeah. yes yeah that, that is a big risk yes but, um we did do a bit of our homework this time we had a business plan and we were looking at like i said the important things to us were day-to-day -day running how much money are we bringing in and mm -hmm. how much money is going out and as long as you're making a bit more that you're taking in rather than going out you should be okay that was our basic sort of idea of it all you know yes we're paying ourselves as long as we can pay all our costs then hopefully this shop will grow you've done that initial financial planning we did that and yeah. uh, to to the it was we did a three-year plan and pretty much to the to a t that's how it worked out and when you because you you want to be as honest as possible yeah you know because it, it's very nice you've got friends and you've got family around you that are encouraging you and telling you this is going to be great this is going to be great you need to put that to one side it's it nice to, to have realistic. that yes exactly it does. You, need, you need to yeah. have that positivity but you you really need to be real about things yes and this is something that i talk about with people when they're talking about starting a business one of the things they don't really think about is can you yourself live on the money you're going to be bringing in so me i went from a career where i was on about forty-five thousand pounds a year i was happy mm -hmm. with that had a nice lifestyle i was going to go from that to earning 900 pound a month you know which is nothing it's below nothing minimum wage and potentially i was going to be living on that for the first two years and that's exactly how it worked out so the first two years for me were a big struggle personally you know to sort of keep going the business was doing great i was enjoying it but it was a real struggle for the first two years you really have to say right make sacrifices no holidays and you know if you're used to eating you know 40 pounds worth of dinner every night now it's four pounds yes, <laughs> you know? yes. things like this so, but you have to be real about it especially if you've got a family i was quite lucky at the time i was a single guy so you know, you know when it came to to making the shop and considering if it wasn't going to work the, the risk factor to me was i always think about it in terms of what is the absolute worst case scenario 
Yeah. And I thought the absolute worst case scenario is I put the money in that I've saved up and I lose that. Um, you know, the shop fails and now I'm back to square one. I haven't got my career anymore. I can't go back to that. I've got no money coming in. I may have to sell my flat because I own my flat, you know, and I might have to move back in with my parents as a sort of mid 30 year old guy. Am I happy with that? And if so, let's do it. And I was at the time I was happy with that. You know, okay, hold that thought, hold that thought, hold that thought. I'm really excited. Hold that thought. Yeah, yeah. Now, number one, before we come back to the bit where you, you decide, you said you are happy with this. Now, from 45K to just under 12, you know, um, thousand yeah. a year. Mm. Yeah. This is one of the, I mean, this is the reason why most people who are in employment, you know, who have ideas or want to start a business, don't start a business mm. because they are not ready to take that big leap to be able to sacrifice earning in mm. so much money and starting a business, not earning in the first because you have to be realistic. You got you have to be able to wait at least say two years for that yeah. business to yeah. you know run its cycle mm. and it for, for it to start to grow and give you you know uh, more than what you were earning. That yeah. takes time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the yeah, go on. Like the first year, you could say right, we're going to turn over this amount. Say let's say a hundred thousand pound first year. So in the second year, if we turn over 150,000, great, I'll be able to pay myself more. But what, what you've got to think about is that first year, you won't be paying things like VAT, which at the time was 20%. Yes. So when you hit year two, you're uh, immediately you're paying out 20% on everything you sell. So you are doing better, but you're taking a 20% loss. As soon as you buy that, you come in and buy that Cortado, 20% of that price is gone. That's going to I can't do around. anything about it, you know? So that's one thing we have to consider. Even though at the end of the first year, we might be doing good, we're going to take this hit in the second year. So we knew that we're still going to be living on this, this, this tiny wage, you know, into the second year. And, and it was, it followed it to a T. Mm -hmm. And pretty much by year three, we were safe, you know? Yeah. And that's when we could up it a bit. What gave you the confidence, you know, because, you know, just going back on this again, what gave you the confidence to say, hmm, you know what? I know I'm going to take this, you know, big hit on my salary and I'm not going to earn as much, you know, for the first two years and so on and so forth. What gave you the confidence to just keep going? Because it wasn't as if you were still in the police force and you were doing this on the side. You quit that job. Am I right? I, I quit it at the very last minute. And again, this is what I tell people. Don't quit your job immediately. If you can do things on the side, work things out on the side until you get to get started. Quit, quit your job until you're at the point where you're like, I cannot do the two together anymore so like we planned the shop we got all the the financing together we built the shop i was still working in the police mm -hmm. so i think it was uh i i left on the 3rd of january 2014 yes and then that was the first day of us building the shop so then it was due to be ready on the 3rd of february that same year so it was going to be a month so there was a period of a month where i i left my job and it was just the strangest feeling. I was going to Milton Keynes every day. I felt like a fraud. I was How like, did I feel? How did I feel? What am I doing? It was, so, it was weird because uh, I obviously had a month's worth of money still to come in from the police because you're paid sort of a month in advance. So yes. uh, I was okay for money at that point. But it was driving there every day thinking, 
am I at my job? What am I doing? I feel like, you know, <laughs> this is my job, but it's in yes. the future, you know? I'm putting things together to start this thing for the future, for a month's time. It, it felt very strange, you know? And it was, it was daunting at that time. Um, but once we got the shop ready, it went to the very last second, you know, before it was due to the open. Um, you've just, you just, this is, mindset is absolutely crucial. Having the right mindset is absolutely crucial when you are thinking about transitioning from unemployment work mm. to starting your own business. You have to have that mindset. Would you say being a police officer, you know, helped you with that mindset? Because obviously uh, discipline and all that stuff comes into play. Potentially. I mean, I've worked with um, police officers starting their own businesses since that haven't had the same one as me. They wanted to quit their jobs and then start their business straight away. But I've said, you know, like we got the lease, we signed the lease in November of 2013. Uh, the lease didn't kick in until the beginning of December. So if I'd have quit my job in November, I would have gone two months without any wages. And then I would have been struggling big time then you know yeah and, and it was unnecessary i didn't i didn't need to quit my job at that time i could wait until january you know but if i'd have quit earlier i may have run out of money and thought oh no what now you know mm -hmm. i hadn't thought this thing through so yeah. that's the, like i say you've got to really take it up to the last minute where you can't do both at the same time at the same time absolutely yeah. but you know just thinking about that thinking about the pandemic you know last year no one knew there was, there was going to be a pandemic. There might have been people who just prior to the pandemic have made that plan to start yeah. a business and have, yeah. you may have met some of them yourself, Yeah, you know, who have decided, you know what, I'm starting a business 2021, 2020. Yeah. Mm. I'm starting a business. You know, they go through that transition, finish their work, started with that whole, with a, with a new business. Yeah. And then boom, pandemic. That's it. And, that's and then insane. you know, the, maybe they, maybe the, the the cash the, the cash they had left that could have you know um, tidied them over, you know, ran out. Yeah, and they would probably form the business too late to actually get any of these grants or anything. So they yes. could be down the trap there. Yes, but, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, what would you say to these ones? I mean, how how, how would they go about getting themselves back on track? Because some might well, say, you know what, I'm going to quit now and go back to work. What are the options people like that have? I think, uh, so for us, I mean, when Bog when we had to close Bogota for the pandemic, we weren't worried at all. We knew we were fine. Yes. And the reason we were fine is we had enough money behind us in the bank um, to see us through. If we'd have been closed for a year, it wouldn't have been a problem. We could have paid our bills, no problem. But we learned that you don't want to live day to day. We've done that in the past. You know, you sort of live day to day. Uh, you pay your rent. And you, the next day you get the money in from the coffee you sell and you're always on that sort of knife edge, you know? Yes. And that's something I teach in the business. You've got a plan. You can't plan for something like the pandemic. You, you would never have foreseen that. But we have had things in the past where something's happened, like the, the shop flooded and we needed to pay out a big bit of money to get it fixed. Otherwise, we can't reopen and earn more money. Yeah. Uh, we learned that you need to keep like a nest egg, you know, in case of unforeseen things. So if you're a, an established business, that's what I suggest to people. Don't just think, ah, oh, at the end of the first or second year, I've, I've got 20 grand in the bank. I'm going to take 20 grand dividend. You've got to keep something in there for the rainy day. The rainy day yeah. So that's if you're an established business. If you're thinking of starting a business, 
it, it's a delicate matter because like I say, especially if you've got a family, you've got to provide for the family. That is the absolute bottom line. If you're able to put your, your, your business on hold and go back to your other job or do whatever you have to do, you know, I'm sure you know of people, I know of people that had jobs were earning 60 grand, their jobs weren't needed anymore. Or they'd quit them just before the pandemic and ended up working in the checkout in Superdrug. Yeah. So you just have to do what you need to do to cover your costs, you know? So if it was me and I was still single, I'd just have to cover my mortgage and what I have to eat. You know, that, that, that's my mindset. Yeah, I, I, call, I call that my, your, your own personal risk analysis. It is. I would do whatever do that, it takes to, to look after me and my family. I yeah. would do whatever. So it means I put my business on hold and I go and do something else totally different. I'll do it, you know? Again, I, I try and teach this to people. But it's, it's whether their mindset is, is of the same thing. They might have had it built up in their mind. They've been dreaming of this business for years. They're going to try and plow ahead anyway. And again, it depends what business it was. If you were thinking about starting Amazon at the beginning of the pandemic, brilliant. Everybody's at home. They're going to be exactly. ordering stuff to the Good door. Timing. You know? Good timing. But if like Peloton, you know, they came out at the right time. Everybody ordered a treadmill and a bike. Yeah. Yes. Um, but if you were thinking about starting a, a high street shop, not so good you know because you're going to be closed and so the fourth and fifth is a good example there because we we had the lease for three years and it was ended in september 2020 yes we tried to renegotiate uh in october 2019 and uh, we we didn't end up getting it we wanted to get a year extension so we could sell the business that's what we wanted right. okay okay it, it didn't end up happening it went to somebody else however in hindsight that was the biggest favor they could have done us because if we'd have got that year extension, we would have been closed for most of it. You anyway. would have been closed for most of it and you'd have spent that money. Yes. So yeah, we would, we would have spent the money that we'd built up over those, those three years, you know, working butts off to get just to stay closed for a year, you know? So in hindsight, that was really good for us, but the guy taking it over from us, not so good for him because yes. he couldn't, he couldn't open when he wanted to. Um, so if you can, I'd suggest putting your, your dreams on hold. And if you need to go back to your old job or you need to get another job somewhere else, do that. It's not the end of the world. This, you know, as we see in now, we're coming sort of out of the tunnel now. Um, you have to have a long-term mindset. Like if, if you're involved in like the stock market or anything, it's not day-to-day, -day, it's a long-term. And people don't really think long-term. It, it, our sort of society at the moment is very sort of instant gratification. The one in now, yes. Exactly. And that's what they say they're worried about the kids these days. You know, they don't want to do the paper round. They don't want to work in the coffee shop. They, they, they want to leave school and then go straight into a 30, 40 grand year job. Yeah, work. You yeah know? exactly. So, and if you can create that role for yourself, which a lot of them are doing, great. But a lot of the time you need to just take a job. You know, you need a bit of experience. You need a bit of grounding. And I think that's where I got it from because I had that from an early age. That's amazing. That is amazing. I was willing to work whatever to get what I wanted. You know, I had a paper round from the age of 12. I had two paper rounds in the morning, two different shops. Um, just because I wanted some money in my pocket. I used to like buying records, you know, so I go to the record store every, every Saturday and I could do because I had these two jobs and that's yeah. just how I was taught, you know, as a kid. So that's great. It's, it's always like great to say, start that young, you know, I mean, I also started young when it came to to business, so it's not something that came to me just, you know, um, in an older age. 
mm. from a very young age i've always wanted to run a business so i had that same mindset as you where i used to sell things like pencils and stuff like that when i was in school mm. and then i went on to do start creating you know some artwork and selling that to my peers at school so um it, it's always good to start early and if parents are listening you know i think it's a great thing to, for you for, for parents to encourage their children you know to have this mindset because the world has changed mm. you know you don't get you don't get you know uh, the kind of successes you, you used to have back in the days from education anymore you have thousands of people graduating yeah. and not working in the field that they've worked so you have to have options, not just yeah. one. Yeah. You have to have multiple op op options. Yeah, and uh, you've got automation as well. So things, you know, there's there's going to be less jobs for people. Uh, there's more yes, applicants. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. That is um, that is so true because there's a lot of automation taking place now. And the processes that humans would normally, you know, uh, take on is being taken mm -hmm. on by, you know, you know, artificial intelligence, you yeah, know, yeah. automated, you know, systems. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a threat to the workforce, and that's it's it's from top to bottom as well. It's not just um, yes. one day there might be a robot making your coffee. It's again to go back to the stock market analogy. You know, you used to have the people on the floor waving the papers about. You don't have any of that anymore. It's all computers. Yes, you know. So you put your order on on your computer, and it's done. You don't have to. You don't have a guy that stood there anymore. So it doesn't matter what job you're in. It, 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 at any time, you could there could be an advancement where your job is at risk. Yes. You know? And if you've got the right mindset, you can adapt so that, okay, what else am I good at? Or what can I improve upon that AI or whoever can't do or my rival can't do? You know, you've got to look for the opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. For, thank you for that. Now, you touched slightly on this when we talked about, um, you know, when, you know, if you're going through, a, you know, a rough patch, having to stop the business and don't go get a job. Take us through this cycle because what you do now with blue collar business is helping a lot of small businesses. Yeah, I love to help small businesses and I've only started doing that more recently. You know, in the past, it used to be the corporates and all that stuff. Now, take us through the stages you normally like to take businesses through. You talk a lot about, um, you know, starting up. You talk about the growth stage, you know, which is scaling the business and you talk about exit. Now, most people usually think start growth, yeah. but don't think exit. Yeah. You've got why to, is that? And you, talk you, us through those stages and why those three are critical. Well, if you're if you're um, talking about a small business like what I have or the people I work with have, um, like I say, generally they're just they're just man on the street for for word, you know, for want of a better term. So they think, oh, I, I want to run a bakery. I, I'm, I think I'll be good at making bread, you know, and I can support my family through doing that rather than have to work in the warehouse. But they don't think in 10 years time, 20 years time, what am I going to do with that business? Or is this business going to look after me when I retire? So there's no sort of plan there straight away. So what I'll do is, like I say, we, we spend a lot of time mainly on the beginning and the starting up of the business. But to do that, you need to think about the end result. What's the end game going to be? You know, so if you want to sell your business in five years time, you're going to have to build it up very quickly. And how are you going to do that? And that starts right at the beginning. You know, you're going to have to look at how much you want to take in every day, every month, and then every year to get it to that point where you've got, you can sell it for the price that you want to, you know? Um, so, uh, 
it, the end game is very important. It's, it's something that people don't really think about because a lot of time if they're starting a, a business, unless it's something like tech, where a lot of the time tech people, they just want to build it up and sell it or sell it, yes, exactly. float it or whatever, you know. But if you're just a local business, you want to open a garage or something and fix cars or do cars up and sell the cars, it's, it's for you, you know. But you're, you might not like fixing cars in five years' time, you know. You might get sick of making coffee after... 10 years you know you want to yeah. do something else and then you want to do something else how are you going to get out of this shop that you've created you know is there buyers out there have you ever thought about that where are you going to look you know who are you going to sell to so things like in the coffee shop world if you were to build your business up into sort of six to ten sites there's things like what they call a, um, a strategic sell so somewhere like starbucks might say you've got these locations in in places where we don't have them They've got good turnover. We will buy that off you, and then they might keep it as it is, or they might turn them into Starbucks. You know, yeah. so that's that's a sort of strategic sell. Or there's someone like yourself who thinks, "Oh, I'm, I'm into coffee. I quite like that." Paul's got a good business. I'll I'll make him the offer that he wants. You know, yeah. And if your business is able to do that, then great. But there might be you might have partners at the beginning that don't want to do that. You know, you might have say when you want to start the business, you're good at making the coffee, but you need the money from somewhere. I'll take on these partners who have offered me the money. Never had the conversation about what you're going to do in five years, 10 years. What if one of you wants to sell it? You know, so mm -hmm. you get to that point and you say, look, I want to sell. I want to go and do something else. And they say, no, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sell. And I can't have you sell because you're the, you're the expertise that runs it. If I were to get, if you were to leave, then I haven't got a business. I can't make coffee. You know, I'm the money man. Yes. So right at the beginning, you need to get everything in writing. Like, at the moment, we're talking about starting a new place with a few different partners. And we're trying to understand what each of us wants. There's like six people involved. So if, if you know, the more partners there are, the more chance there is that one of us at some point will want to leave. Want to exit, yeah. Yeah. So you have to think about the exit strategy for each individual. Exactly. What do we want from this? What do you want individually? And as a collective, what do we want? And if you all agree that the idea is we're going to get to five sites, six sites and sell the business. Great. We're all on the same page here, you know, but what if, you know, what if, what if something happens? What if one of the guys, you know, uh, his wife goes sick, he needs some money, you know, cover the Medicare expenses or whatever, and he needs to sell his share. What then? Who are we going to sell to? Are there buyers out there that will do it? Can we afford as a group to take to buy the shares from him? And do we want to do that? These are all the conversations you've got to have at the beginning, because like you said, life is unpredictable. Nobody could have predicted the pandemic, you know, and nobody can predict things like, you know, if, if a family member does go sick and you have to leave the business to look after them, you know, you have to. And this is what strategy is. And people use throw this word around a lot and they don't really know what it means. They don't know what it means. You want to go from here to there. And this is the plan we have to get there. If How things come along it? along the way, then how do we deal with them? You know, oh, my wife gets sick. I want to leave the business. Right. We, we had a contingency for that because we spoke about it right at the beginning. This is what we do. And it's not all panic stations and people running about, about how are we going to do this? You know, the business is going to fail because Paul's leaving it. You know, you've got to have your start position, your end position. And then along the way, how you're going to get there. But also what if these certain things happen? Like you say, something like the pandemic, you would never put on that timeline. You couldn't foresee it, but if you've got a way with dealing with something similar, you know, say like a flood, floods are far more common, which will 
cause your business to be closed for a long time if it gets hit by one. So you could say you're going to be closed for two, three months, which is pretty much, I mean, we were closed less than that during the pandemic at Bogota. We were only closed six weeks in the end. Um, but something like planning for a flood for three months, you know, it, it's adaptable. You could use it in relation to the pandemic, you know? Yes. That's what you've got to discuss at the start. What is your end game? You might not be thinking about it because you're fresh to business and everything, you know, and you don't know about these things. But the beauty of it all now is you can learn all this stuff online. You know, just go on Google and you type in starting a business. And it yeah, will you get so much information. Exactly. Yeah, but there's a big difference, you know, between going online and actually talking with someone who yeah. has done it. Yeah, that's it. And they, they you, you get a lot more confidence from that person using their own personal experience, not just information online. That's it. And that's why I feel confident doing it. And that's why I, I target myself towards people like me, because I've done it and I've been there. You could pay PwC or kpmg you know to a lot more, more than money you can pay them <laughs> exactly but you pay them a lot more than you pay me exactly but the guy that you're talking to has never started a business he works for a business exactly so if, he says, if he says to you take your life savings and your parents life savings of 50 grand plow them into this business because it's a good time for coffee coffee is boom right now you know and you do it and you're like it failed. <laughs> exactly but it's not on his shoulders then do you know what i mean he's got no experience about the sort of the nitty gritty of running such a business, you know, that's why I stick to people, small businesses rather than go after larger ones and everything. Cause that's not my realm of expertise. Yes. My realm of expertise is starting fresh from the bottom, taking a risk, growing something, adapting it, seeing what else is out there that you can start. Because when we started Bogota, we never thought about, you know, a second site, a third site within six months, we had three sites, you know, because we were approached by people to start them. We never yeah. thought about yeah, that. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and then uh, fourth and fifth came along, much larger venue, you know, but a little bit out of our comfort zone. That was an awesome venue. It, it, yeah, lovely place. A little bit out of our comfort zone because it was more food rather yes. than coffee. Yes. So again, a risk there. Um, but we never thought about that right at the start when we were at this bit because we never did that bit. We never said, we're starting this business. How do we want it to end? Or, or what do we want it to look like along the way? All we said was, we want it to grow year on year, you know, and we had our business plan that said how we were going to do that, but it never said, what if Jigsaw, the clothing shop came along and offered you a site, which they did. Yes. You know? I remember so, that one. Yes, that's right. Yes. So um, you, you've got to adapt along the way, but the important thing is now, because I didn't know this when we started, you've got to think about the end result right at the beginning, you know, and uh, that's, that's amazing. That you know, what, just as you narrated all these experiences you've had in business, I'm just thinking you've, you've had multiple risks in businesses in different yeah. dimensions. Have those risks always been, for the lack of any other word, successful? No. <laughs> yeah. No, because um, like I said, the biggest risk to me was always at the start, starting Bogota. That was the biggest risk. We'd done a bit of homework. We thought it was going to work. And I had a, you know, when you get a gut feeling, I had a gut feeling this was going to work. And touch wood, so far, eight years later, it has. Um, there's been others along the way when I've been not so sure. So, like I said, after, I think it was after the first couple of months we started Bogota, just up the road from us, there was an office, big office building, he wanted coffee, the guy, the landlord wanted coffee in his atrium. 
for the offices around it. So we were like, great, that's going to be low cost. All we need to do is build a bar, coffee machine on there, till on there, and off we go. So we said to him, how many people you got in this office building? Oh, we've got about 800 to 1,000 people. And we said, oh, what sort of businesses are they? He said, oh, you've got um, uh, AIG, uh, NatWest, Zero. There's other people who will come down and drink the coffee. Allianz, exactly. They said you've got Allianz, NatWest, uh, and uh, Zero, And we were like, amazing. They're like massive businesses, 800 to 1,000 people. Brilliant. Let's go. And of course, it didn't work out that way because the, the question we didn't ask is, how old are these, these, these people that work there and what is their disposable income? And had we have known, the businesses, the, the people that populated these businesses were call center workers. So you had kids that are about 18 years ah, old. I see. Because when you mentioned these, biz- these businesses, I'm thinking, that's, um, that's jackpot, you know? Exactly. Jackpot for that's, you guys. And that's exactly what we thought. Because, again, we didn't, we didn't know about doing we obviously did our homework. We said to him very basic questions like how many people you got in the building? What sort of businesses are they? But now we will dig it's right drilling down, down to the next drilling, level, drilling down into it. So these people were 18 years old. They didn't have much disposable income. So you would see them every day. They'd walk up to the city center and they'd go to boots and boots do a deal where for one pound, you can get a sandwich and a drink. That's ridiculous. No, they'll go there. Compare. Exactly. They did. And nobody can compare to that. You know, we can't compare to that. So we were selling like sandwiches for three pound, three pound fifty, and they were getting wasted every day. Uh, the coffee, they were happy to get. A lot of them had coffee in their office. They were happy with that. You know, little pot that they were drinking out of. You know, rather than, than nice coffee because they weren't, their tastes weren't discerning enough. You know, they they couldn't justify spending two pound fifty every day on a coffee. So we didn't. That was a we thought that was a small risk, yes, but it wasn't. It was it wasn't. Big no, one. no, and and that's that's why I think this is what you call you know knowing your clients' demographics. Mm. You know what 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 you know what are they made of? Because you want to be able to not just look at the number of people, mm. but it's the quality of Who that people. They? Who is your customer? Who that's, is your customer in that's, the, that's, in that whole number? Because it's not going to be all one thousand of them. Exactly. That's it may what not it, even be five hundred of them, but you just want to know: is it good enough for the business? And that's what every business boils down to: who is your customer? And that's what I'll say to people from the start, you know, because you could be uh, marketing to a, a group that are totally not your customer, you know, that you just you think, well, I'm like, I get this a lot. I think I'm like this person. So this person will buy what I want to buy. And it turns out to be the opposite, you know, which is good. If you're in the business on your own, it's very difficult to get an objective view of things because you get the tunnel vision. You know, you think I've sit on this, you know, I I think this is going to work. Whereas someone like Carl is very much a good opposite for me because we think differently a lot, but that's a good thing. So we, we sort of bounce things off each other. I'll say something. I'll go, I'll I'll be like, this guy will buy the, the drinks because of this. And he'll say, you haven't thought about this. And I will say, hands up. I hadn't thought about that, you know? So again, when people say they want to start a business, I'm thinking about coming on board with my friend. I'll say, well, what does your friend bring to the table? Don't just do it because you're friends. Firstly, it will put a big strain on your friendship. It will do. It always does. It does, yes. Um, in any walk of life, that's all I've seen. But if they can bring something to the table, even if it is just having a different mindset to you and a different way of looking at things, that might be enough, you know? 
it's like Steve Jobs, you know, when they say, what, what, what was Steve Jobs' job? What, what did he do? He didn't really have any technical skills or anything, but he knew people, he knew customers, and he had a different way of thinking to other people, you know? He, he said, you could buy the iPhone, take it out of the box, you plug it in, and that's what people want. And they did, you know? It's, it's, it's having somebody that can see things differently, you know, yes. for want of a better word, yeah. is what he used to say. And that's, what, that's what he did. So it's good to have somebody like Carl to bounce off of, you know, um, which you don't, which you won't get, you know, if you're a sole trader or you're starting out on your own, especially yeah, if you haven't yeah. got much experience. Yeah. So that's where someone like me is of value, I think, you know, rather than looking it up on Google, how do I start a business? You know, you want someone there to sort of bounce ideas off of and see how is it going to work yes. you know, and use my experience to see. Yeah. In my experience, did it work? Did it not work? You know, and again, Jigsaw is another good example. They came to us again about six months after we opened Bogota, and we were very flattered by the offer because at the time, the only Jigsaw store in the country was their fleet, uh, their um, flag bearing store on Bond Street. They had a really fancy coffee in there, uh, Fernandez and Wells, which is really yeah. highly thought of in London, and we thought. They are thinking of us in the same terms as that. We didn't, even read, we didn't even read the contract. We just signed it, which was ridiculous. You know, <laughs> very stupid idea. Yes, yes, yes. Because they said what they'll do is it was like a turnover-based rent. So they said, you can have a space in our store. And all we want in return is, I can't remember the figures, but it was, it was something like 20%. 20% of, turnover. of net, yeah. So whatever net. you sell... 20% comes to us and we were like, well, how can it go wrong? Because mm. even if we sell a hundred pound a day, we're only giving them 20 pounds, but you need to factor in things like your other costs, you know? So if you've got a member of staff up there, who's costing you 90 pound a day, you're going to pay them and, and you've got to pay them. And then you've made a hundred, you need to pay jigsaw the 20. So you've, you're down 10 pound for the day. You know, I'm That's... talking in very small numbers, just to give you an idea of, of yes. Yes. The, the, the basics of it. But that's basically what was happening up there. We were we were spending far too much to the point where Bogota, the shop in the hub, was doing really well. Jigsaw was doing really badly, and Jigsaw was was drowning Bogota. It was bringing it down, mm. and we nearly went out of business. It was very close, and we had an agreement with Jigsaw, I think, to be there for three years, and we we begged to get out of it, and luckily they let us come out of it because they could have said no. You know, you've signed the the document to say you're going to yes. be there. Yeah. So again, yeah. if you'd have said to me beforehand, do you want a coffee shop in a in a unit that's never been let, where the Starbucks has just closed down and it's in an alleyway, or do you want a, a shop that's in Jigsaw with a massive presence in the shopping center, thousands of people walking past it every day? Which one do you want? You'd bite my hand off for the second one. But in <laughs> exactly. reality, that wasn't our customer. Our customers were the customers in the shopping center were totally different to the ones in the hub. Because in the hub, you had people, a lot of offices nearby. Yeah. They were, they were more discerning. They were more, they had the taste for the good coffee. A lot of them commuted from London to Milton Keynes. Yes. So they understand that whole um, coffee culture. Exactly. And the ones yeah. at the shopping center didn't. They understood Costa and Starbucks. They do, yeah. They look at the Cortado that's this big and go, oh my God, for the same price, I can get the Starbucks <laughs> one. About the, qu the quantity. And, and you know, one thing that's, you know, that's interesting about Milton Keynes. Uh, I've always called Milton Keynes a chain city. Yeah, yeah, Every business, so. most businesses, small businesses, like, you know, the consumer businesses, Costa, food and all that stuff. 
they mainly chains, mm. you know, and people are accustomed to that. So it's very hard. Brand, yes, go on. It's very hard to break their mindset. And I'll give you an example. So we were at Jigsaw and we were about five doors down from Acosta. And on a Monday morning, Acosta had a queue coming out the door and we had nothing. So we had these cards made up where you could get, bring the card in and we get a free coffee. That'd be your first coffee for free. Carl had a stack of them. He went to the queue at the Costa, tried to give them out to people. He said, look, there's no queue down there. The coffee's way better and it's free. Here you go. And they were just weren't interested. They were like, no, thanks. You're joking. Yeah, they were like, firstly, free coffee. And yeah, they were firstly like, what's the catch? And secondly, this is my routine. I can't break my routine. This is the sort of British mindset that we have, you know. Maybe wow. if you've done that in another country, it would work. But the British have got this very, um, this very sort of strange mindset. We're, we're quite set in our ways, you know, and I'm very much like that. That's mm -hmm. what I would think if I was in a queue and someone gave me, I'd be like, why is it free? What, what are you trying to do to me? You know, what's the catch? You know, so no, I wouldn't be. In I'll go. I'll go for the yeah. free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> we should have found you at that time. But that's an example of, yes. you know, you're trying to you could not give the coffee away for free, mm. you know, and you wouldn't have to wait or anything, but that's the sort of level we went to to try and market to people and they weren't interested up there, but because we hadn't thought of who is the customer, you know, we just thought, oh, it'll be the same customer up at the, the shopping center as it is at the hub. The hub's doing great. And it's a, what, five, 10 minute walk away. How different can it be? And it was very different. And that was the biggest lesson we've learned so far, I think in the sort of the eight years. Uh, that and read the contract read the yes. lease <laughs> that, that's your, absolutely important do your sums yeah exactly that's absolutely important paul you've shared so many you know um valuable insights here and it just goes to show that small businesses have a lot of work to do so when you when you have a small business my business is a small business and i know how much i have to invest my time and effort into it to understand the nature of the you know of, of the environment I'm operating yeah. within and also my customers and also looking at growth and things like that, you know, uh, but small businesses have a lot of work to do. And we, we, we can't keep, we can't think that because it's a small business, the work is not a lot. It's a small work. No, oh, it's big. It's big. I think you, you have to think, okay, it's a small business. If you're the business owner at the early stage, you are going to have a lot of work to do because you're going to be wearing multiple hats. Yes. And it's not just the, the, the physical work you have to do. It's the mental side of it. It's very hard to let go once you've started it. And if it's doing well or if it's not doing well, it takes you a long time to let go. Like uh, for, for two years, maybe into the third year, I couldn't let go. You know, I couldn't not be thinking every day when I'm not there. How's it going? What's going on? What's the next thing that's going to go wrong? You know, and I remember the exact point it was where I, where I was finally able to let go because we got CCTV in the shop. So I can yes. look at it on my phone whenever I want. And I used to look at it all the time. It, it wouldn't tell me anything. It was, what's the importance? Why, why, what's the importance of letting go once you've got, well, to because you can't well. live your, you can't live your life. So like, I remember the exact time it was, I, I went on holiday to New York with my girlfriend at the time and we landed and obviously it'd been like eight, 10 hours since I'd seen what was going on at the shop. And I thought, normally I'd be straight on the phone. What's the Wi-Fi? You know, I, I need to see what's going on. And I thought, you know what? I don't need to. Mm -hmm. And from that point and from to now to this day, I'm able to just let go. You know? You have to trust your staff as well. Yeah, if you've got the, process, the right processes in yeah, place, right process. the right staff, you have to let go, you know? Because it, it will eat you up inside, you know? You, you're, you started this business. For us, we started the business to have a better lifestyle. 
you know, it wasn't about making a million, you know, selling it and big money and retiring. It was about having a better lifestyle. Better quality of life, yes. If I want to talk to Cheers at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. You can do it. I can do it because, exactly. you know, it's my business and I can do what I want. And that's exactly why we wanted it. But if you're always sat there thinking, I can't relax because what's going on at the shop, you know, what's happening? You, you, there comes a point where you just have to sort of let go. And I think yeah. it, it happens naturally after, after time, you know, yeah. as, like I say, as long as you've got the processes and the right staff in place, if you haven't, things are going to go wrong all over the shop. You know, again, this is something I teach a lot of people having processes in place. Like for a very simple example for us is dishwasher breaks down and I'm not there. What does the staff, whoever's running that shift, what do they do to get that dishwasher working? You know, as yeah. long as there's a folder somewhere that says dishwasher is broken, this is what you do. Or internet goes down. This is what you do. Plan you know? B or your contingency plans. Exactly. Because if the Wi-Fi goes down, I can't take card payments. We can now because we've got like a backup system. But for years, we couldn't, you know. So what happens? I'm not going to earn any money. And if I'm somewhere where there's no signal or my phone is off or whatever and they can't get hold of me, they're, they're just stuck unless they've got really good initiative, you know. And that's so you tackled need, your sales for the day. Yeah. So you need the process in place and the staff to, to be able to read through those processes. Know the process. Done. Exactly. And yeah. then you can turn off and then you can switch off a bit. I'm not worried anymore, you know, because I've got staff there that, that knows if something goes wrong, this is what they do. And they'll only ring me if it's something really critical. terrible. Yeah, critical now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Some accident or something, you know, and I'm able to just switch off. And that, that, and now we have the lifestyle that we wanted from starting the business, you know. But if you're always thinking about it and always worried, then you're, you're not going to get there, you know. Amazing, amazing, amazing insight. You know, I, I'm loving this so much because I feel that there is so much small businesses need in terms of support like this, mm. you know, coming from, you know, business owners who have been running small businesses, you know, especially yourself, you've run multiple um, small businesses yeah. you know, and you've done very well. You know, but you've grown a brand, you've been in business for quite a while now. But the biggest hurdle I have now with the blue collar is convincing people that what I'm saying is of value. So you always have this, this thing about cost and value. You know, uh, I cost, say, £250 a day to speak to me and talk to me about business, whatever you want to talk about to get you started. Or I could take that £250 and I can buy a load of stock, you know, a load of cups or something. That's tangible. They can get the cups delivered. That's £250. Yes. My advice, they're like... Because, well, it's, not, because it's not tangible. Because it's honest. not there. But in yeah. the long term, it, what's going to be better for you? And I'll give you an example. When we started Bogota, we were on the market stall, like I said, and uh, one day this guy came along and he said he was a, um, he said, oh, have you ever thought about opening a shop? And we said, oh, we're in the process of thinking about it. He said, well, if you ever do, I'm a surveyor. Gave him the card. And he said, I can help you with leases and all this sort of stuff. So when it came time to do the shop, we called him up and we said, look, we're doing this shop. We'd like you to take a look at the lease because we don't know anything about leases at the time. He said, yeah, no problem. My fee is 3,000 pounds. I wanted to do it. Carl did not want to do it because £3,000 to us then was such a large amount of money. Yes, a lot we, of money. We had a, I think we had a budget of 45000 So this was about 8% or something of that. And we were like, it's a lot of money. But I said, in the long term, if he can get that lease and he's happy with it and say we're able to renew it and so on and so forth and get us a good rent, it's going to pay itself off. So eventually- Exactly, we said, in the long run. We did it and I'm so happy. It's the best money we've ever spent because he got us a rent that was very reasonable 
and one that would not increase on us year on year. Uh, he, he secured it so that when the lease ran out, we could get another lease because that would have been a massive issue for us. But he knew about that. That has to be written in there. Uh, leases, a lot of the time, if it's not written in there, your rights, you get to the end of five years or whatever it is, you don't have the aut automatic right of renewal. That's your business over, you know, unless you can move it, it down the road. But we had that security. So he did so much for us. And I always bring it back to that because that's, that's what I offer in my own realm of business. You know, I'm here to give you my expertise and my experience. And you might think 250 pound or whatever it is, is a lot of money, but I'm hoping in the long term it will pay off. You know, if you're thinking about all the right stuff at the beginning, it will pay dividends, you know, as you go along. Absolutely. Absolutely. I myself, I've invested in, you know, things like that. I didn't just start business with, you know, just me going into it without having, you know, guidance from someone who was a lot more experienced. And I've had to pay thousands of pounds yeah. over the years to keep, you know, renewing my knowledge, you know, whether it's through mentorship or, you know, or, you know, having a coach to guide me through certain paths. You know, those things, are, you know, help ground me in terms of what I'm doing. And small businesses need to open up their mind and not think that you, you know, that information like that, you know, having a coach, having a mentor, having someone to guide you, that is valuable. Oh, it's invaluable. That is valuable. You know, it's, it's, it, it protects you in the long run. You can't put a value on it. That's the thing. Absolutely. You know, because you, you might pay 250 pounds for a day with me and I might save you, you know, 5,000 pounds on your lease when I read it, you know, absolutely. Th there might be that instant sort of saving that I get you. Say, for example, the grants, when they were trying to get hold of the grants, I said, okay, the businesses that I didn't know and were coming to me, I said, yeah, I'm happy to work with you. Here's my fee. And if we get you the grant, you're going to get 10,000 pounds. If mm -hmm. my fee, if my fee is a thousand pound, you've already made nine thousand pounds for doing 9, nothing. Nine thousand pounds, exactly. Exactly, but the, it's trying to explain to people that that's how it works, you know, because maybe because the market is so saturated with uh, business consultants and um, people like social media experts. Yes, yes. And so just, you know, it gets on my nerve because a lot of people have just jumped on that bandwagon and saying coaches when they don't they don't have a business experience. No, you've got to give them the value. That's it. it like I said about the the KPMG and the the. Um, PwC example, you'll pay so much money to get business advice. And if, you, if, if it's specific stuff you want, great. But if it's, I'm looking at this tiny little shop down the road, do you think it's a good lease? Do you think there's a good footfall? The guy from PwC isn't going to come down and do no. a football count with you on a lunchtime. You know, that's, that's what you need. And that's, that's things that I explain. You Someone know, to hold so your hand, exactly. It's, it's about value. It's about what can I bring to your business and I always ask people up front you know what what are you coming to me for what do you want to do because they might come to me and say I'm starting this business uh, and I'll say do you know what I've got no expertise in that area at all so I'll put my hands up I don't think I can help you there you know rather than think I'll take this guy's money and just feed honest him advice a load of buzzwords and you know keep him happy and all this sort of stuff no I won't do that because it's not for me you know and I won't enjoy it you know it's just good to see people starting new businesses and having ideas. It is, yes. And, and seeing them grow and everything, you know, giving them the confidence to do it. Um, but again, that's my mindset. You know, I'm not, I'm not out just to make money off of people. I, I genuinely want to help people through, especially during the. But pandemic. it's got to be worth your. It's got. It's got to be worth your 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 time as well, because mm. um, yes, it's good to give free advice, um, but the value of what you offer 
you know, should also bring value to you as well. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's My nothing wrong is... in you putting, you know, a number of, say, some price, the price on your on your services. It's a level of free advice you give, which yes, gets one started. But if they want to take the next, you know, take the next step, you know, then they got to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't get to where you are where you are today without spending money. No, I know. Like an example again is a guy messaged us on um, Instagram and said, "I'm starting a shop. What coffee machine should I get?" And I, I replied and said, "It's not that simple. I need to know your whole business. You know, I could tell you to get this machine that's that's got one group, and then you end up being inundated with people, and it can't the machine can't keep up with it. Function, yes. Or I'll tell you to get a bigger one because that's what we've got." And you buy it and you're like, I'm serving 20 customers a day. You told me to buy this really expensive machine. I'm out of money. You know, well, mm-hmm. I can't just give you a throwaway answer. I need to know your business. And to do that, I need to spend time with you. And my time is not free, you know. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I'm, giving, I'm giving you the benefit of my knowledge and my expertise, especially in an area such as a coffee shop or something. So it, you can't just give me this throwaway thing. It might, it might seem simple to, to him. And I replied and said, I'm happy to talk to you, but it needs to be a more formal thing. And he was Absolutely. like, nah, I'm going to ask my mate instead. All yeah. right, no problem. I don't take any offense. You know, I'm just telling you how it is. You know, so you can't just base one decision on the, the coffee machine in your shop is the most important item. So you can't just base that decision on a throwaway comment to a stranger, you know, that you're, you're just asking on Instagram. No, and that's the mistake a lot of people make. They think, you know, um, Instagram, they go on Instagram and ask someone who is doing it and, you know, uh, and they'll get an answer mm. and they use that answer to make a decision. That's just the wrong way to start a business. Of course. And if, if it goes wrong, they'll come back to you about it and say, you gave me the wrong advice. Yeah, yeah. but the person is not to blame. You asked, I gave you an answer. Exactly. I gave you what was good for me because I don't know anything about exactly. your business. You know, so... Yeah. Your, the advice you get has to be right for you. You got to know what exactly. you know what you're about. You know, it's tailored to you. You know, it's your tailored business, to you. Absolutely, your business absolutely. is going to be totally different to mine. I can't just give you a throwaway idea. You know, I need to know things. I need exactly. Research. Absolutely, absolutely. Paul, this has been wonderful. It's, you've, I mean, the value you've shared on this podcast has been so valuable for especially small businesses and those who want to start a small business uh you know whether they're in unemployment you know uh, no job and they're thinking about it by hearing this you know most people will be able to say you know what i've got good advice now i think i can you know follow these steps and and and, and start mm. yeah and this is what we need i think we need a solid community for small businesses mm. yes i know you have things like you know um fsb and chamber of commerce and all that stuff yeah they do what they do but i think forums like this really goes deep into you know i'm um, giving you know giving advice bringing out you know uh, practical steps people can take and support them and not just support them but give them the confidence That's to it. say you know what these guys are doing it if i follow a set you know process that's right for me i can do it as well and also maybe reach out to this reach out to these guys as well which reach, reach out to paul reach out to reach, reach out to cheese you know because it's all about helping one another in this community of small businesses so we can thrive because without small businesses the economy will be nowhere because the the big organizations you know thrive you know from having small businesses because we are all service providers to them as well in many ways yeah and it just helps people in general like their mental health you know you, you, 
you are going to be happier, I would imagine. You are going to be happier. Running absolutely. your own business, having the flexibility, yes. rather than working for somebody nine to five. They could just dismiss your job at any time. I mean, look at I've, I've had know. the joy of taking my, my, my daughters to school this morning. Oh, there you go. You know, so yeah. not a lot of people can do that. No, and if you're happier in your life running the small business, then that, that's the goal, isn't it? You know, you might, like I say, you might not be earning the money saying the police if i'd have stayed there now i'd have been, i'd definitely be earning more than i am earning now and you'll be at work now maybe i'll be at work and i'll be getting spat out on the street which you know <laughs> uh, you know which i i didn't really mind but uh i'm a lot happier now you know yes just in general life so uh it, it, yeah thank you for having me on it's it's a it's a it's a pleasure paul it's a pleasure, I, I really, it's a pleasure really to have you on you've shared so much and yeah. you've got me thinking. I'll, I'll speak to you on, on you know, offline. I've got something. That, I've got something I want to speak to you about. You know, I think we can probably work on this together. But I'll speak yeah. to you. I'll speak to you about that you know, offline. Last question. Yeah. So I call this the risk taker superhero question. Yeah. Of all the superheroes, you know, you know, fictional or non-fictional, which one would you say describes you best? Actual superheroes, like uh, Marvel type things. Could be. Could be. Yeah. yeah. Could be. <laughs> uh, I don't know. People always ask me about like business mentors. Who do you look you up? Could be to a business mentor. I, I, I really, I really, I, so. I, I said I really like. Um, I've read his biography a few times. Uh, Steve Jobs. At the t I've never had an Apple device. I've never had one. Really? But so what is I, it about Steve Jobs? I, that, I, um... just, I understand where he's coming from. His sort. He got a lot of. You know, he had a hard time because he was very forthright with people. He didn't accept. Uh, second best. I've got a lot of time for that, you know, because Apple is where it is today because of him. He started it in a garage, you know, yes. and he, he got to where he was because he was product minded. He was customer minded, you know. I was talking to the customer about this the other day. You've got to know in a coffee shop the flow of the coffee shop. You know, you come in so it's not confusing. Where do I go? Where do I stand? Where do I pick the coffee up? Because one of those things goes wrong, it might put you off from coming back. You've lost the customer. Steve yes. Jobs used to think in those terms, and that's exactly how I think. So uh, he's one of them. Uh, but if I could be any superhero, I'd probably be Batman. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Billion, you know billionaire I'll, by I'll, day. I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go with Steve Jobs because I, I, I'll, <laughs> let's, let, let's do some real-life ones because he's a real-life super, you know, superhero with what he's built with Apple. And because of him, Apple is still evolving today because he's set those foundations. He's put those pillars in place. And Apple is taking his business to places that, um, you know, most other, you know, technology companies haven't taken them to but they it, their own way. And it wasn't always like that. He had a very difficult time in the 90s. He got kicked out of his own company and then had to come back. You yes, know? yes, yes. But he took those as not, uh, not as a negative. He tried to make it into a positive, you know, and he thought, when I'll come back, I'll come back stronger. And he did. He took what he learned and he applied it to the, the new business, you know. And I've got I've got so much time for that. And he absolutely, had a absolutely. every new decision he made, everybody was against him. You know, are you going to create an iPod and it's not going to work? You know, are you going to have an iPhone with no headphone jack? It's not going to work. And he explained his rationale behind it because he knew customers, he knew people, and he was right most of the time. You know, absolutely. He was willing to take that risk to go against people absolutely. who said they knew absolutely. better. That, yeah. that's that's why i liked him you know and that's so. about and he, he wasn't afraid about you know he wasn't afraid to be different and that's why they've got the tagline exactly. think different think differently so yeah, they because... think different and they do different and 
today and changed, they are changed the world people. because of it you know yes absolutely absolutely thank you so much paul if people want to reach out to you because you do a lot you know to help businesses if people want to reach out to you to you know get help in terms of starting their business growing their business whatever stage they are in that in, in a small business how can they find you how can people reach out to you so you can have a look at um, my social media and everything and what I do on my website, which is www.bluecollarbusiness.co.uk. Or if you want to send me an email just to inquire about uh, whatever you want to inquire about, it's paul at bluecollarbusiness.co.uk. And uh, thank you very much for having fantastic, me. Fantastic. Fantastic. It. It's Great. been a wonderful you know, time, you know, having this conversation with you, having this episode. I can't wait to share it. This is mm. this is this is a gold mine for you know small businesses, <laughs> and they, need, they they just need to listen to this and you know implement some of the suggestions we've made in here. So thank you so much for coming thank on you. again. Cheers, cheers. Fantastic. Risk takers, if you would like to listen to more inspiring shows like this one, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at our handle, the School of Risk Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Podbean, or any of the apps you listen to your podcast on, so you don't miss out on future episodes. Until next time, risk takers, stay focused on your purpose and let us grow the risk takers tribe.